This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. Um, even though we're talking about altered states of consciousness this week, I just want to mention an interesting proof of God, and that is that that is that the when you take God out of the picture, which you know a lot of people like to do these days, especially intellectuals online who are boneheads anyway, as we discussed last week, because these these great geniuses, they're you know what their claim to fame is poking holes in childish Christian theology. Gee, what a genius! I mean, you don't need a brain to poke holes in Christian theology. And the class last week was about, was about um, how sad it is that Jews love, because they love to be secular based on those geniuses poking holes in Christian theology. Now, every secular society needs atheists to rely on for their lifestyle, because human beings are moral beings, and we need, we need, some, we need something to back up our life uh, did I say moral beings? Sorry. Human beings are philosophical beings. We are philosophical by nature. And we need, we need some kind of underpinnings to some philosophical uh, foundational underpinnings for our lifestyle. We can't live with ourselves unless we have a philosophy to back it up. We just all got to have that. So if you want to live a very secular lifestyle, you got to get rid of God. And so to get rid of God would be the, um, you know, if, if, if you're into Christian theology, it's really easy to get rid of God. Like, really easy. You don't have to be smart for that. But if you're into Jewish theology, you're never going to be able to get rid of God. And let's say the biggest genius on the entire planet today would have to spend, I don't know how long, before he could even have the discussion with a Talmud Chacham. To have the actual discussions that they like to debate people on, in online, you know, the debates they have with ministers and whomever, and they make these ministers look like idiots. The, uh, to have that same debate, he would have to study, already having gotten a degree in psychology or in physiology, sorry, in physiology, actually, and perhaps in uh, anthropology and, and, uh, and uh, theoretical physics and, um, and religious studies and philosophy. He would need all those degrees. Then a couple years of study to get into it with a Talmud Chacham. To get to the point where they could get anywhere close to disproving the existence of God. And of course would fail miserably and you know that guy would wind up with some of these babies by the time he was done. The, the atheist. So it, it really bothers me that Jews like to hang their the Jews like to hang their um, Jews like to hang their um, their secularism on such theology and on, on such breaking down of Christian theology, which is ridiculous. But here's a really interesting thing: is that when you get rid of God, so life goes meaningless really quick. It goes meaningless really quick because then you're just a bag of bones. And all that you can offer is all that your life's worth. Meaning you, you, your being means nothing now. It's only your doing. It's only your doing that means anything. And by the way, there's a lot of people who get confused with that anyway. You know, some people actually believe their worth is only from doing. Which is a sorry task and it's never going to be enough. 
You need to be, be ready to look old early if that's your life. If you think your self-worth is going to come from all the things you do, as opposed to who you are in your internal soul structure of being part of the infinite, but if you think it's what you do that's going to make you worth something, well, get ready to look old young. You know why? Because you're going to have to do, and you're going to have to do, you're going to have to do, and you're going to have to do, and after a while there's going to be doo-doo everywhere. Because, because where's, how can you do without a power source? You know, I can't keep running this phone without the wall powering the phone. I can't drive my car without an engine pushing it with the gas filling the engine. Everything that has output needs a source. Well, what if the source is that I'm a worthless bag of bones? And so I better do. I better be beautiful or handsome or strong or, or, uh, or smart or, or uh, intelligent intelligent sounding if I'm not smart or um, or uh, a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, uh, you know, a good dancer or something. I got to do something. But what's the source of all the output? Then I'm a worthless piece of scrap without the S unless I do. It's basically, it's, it's exactly what was written on the gates of Auschwitz. So I guess most of society lives in Auschwitz. Because the gates of Auschwitz says, said, Arbeden macht frei. said, work makes free. And so you got a whole entire mass of society. Very West is Western stuff we're talking about, but West is expansive, as Noah did give that blessing to Yafet, which means Yofi and expansion. External beauty and expansion. He gave the blessing to expand. Well, they're expansive. So every country, even Indians, are very Western today unless they're focusing on Indians, India's original traditions. But all the Western Indians in Mumbai, they're also doing, 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 doing. I have students in Mumbai. Hi, by the way, if you're watching from Mumbai. And I'm sorry I didn't answer your call uh, to my dear student there. Um, he called me the other day. And uh, I was in the middle of a meeting. The... <laughs> It doesn't make you free. It doesn't make you free. It is, work is the jail you live in. When I say work, I don't mean working for a living. I mean the doing that you do to feel better about yourself. That is the jail. It's not going to make you free. There's no way your jail can make you free. What can make you free is your soul, is the recognition that there is a God, the recognition that this world was created, the recognition that you've been created Recognition that, that you're, what's vivifying your awareness right now, because I'm sure everyone watching this is aware. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> I'm sure everyone watching this is aware that you're aware. Are you aware that you're aware in here? Are you guys aware that you're aware in here? Well, what's that? What's that awareness? Because you're aware you're aware. And as long as you can be aware that you're aware, well, that's pretty amazing because good luck finding that on an MRI. Awareness doesn't show up on an MRI. I've been listening to some cool stuff lately, really interesting, that think about it, your whole experience of this room is just your experience of the room, right? Now, I know there's a room, but your experience of the room is the experience of the room, right? So it's only your awareness of the room that there's a room. 
It, well, it, logic would say that, but it's not true. There is a room. <laughs> Whether you're here or not, there's still a room. But think of that. Your whole life has just been your awareness of whatever's happening around you. Meaning there, there is a room, but let's just get rid of that for a second. The room is your experience of there being a room. It can't be otherwise. Which is really interesting because if you go into your awareness, it's infinite. And this room was created by the infinite. So maybe this room is just the awareness of the creator and your awareness of the aware, your awareness is just of the awareness of the creator. Yes. How you doing, Seth? Yeah, please. The lights will be great. Yeah. Seth, you're the best. By heat or let there be light. Can I back that up again? The last two days were about altered states of consciousness. Today is altered states of consciousness. Do you have some cocaine for us? Did you stop mentioning cocaine? Was that your drug of choice or something? Uh, No, not really. It's not like the most mentioned drug these days, George. In some countries, it's legal. It should be legal in all countries, George. Governments should not be in charge of what goes in our bodies. Next thing you know, carrots are going to be (laughs) free. The other thing they say, well, well, carrots aren't dangerous. I'm like, you eat enough of them, they could be. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm a very strong libertarian. I, I believe that God gave us enough laws. You know? <laughs> and if you're keeping those laws, you probably have enough wisdom not to put cocaine in your body. You don't need the government adding to that. You know? and, and making people really rich by selling it. You know how much that stuff goes for for a gram? And how much is... It depends on which country, but I, I don't even know how much Israel would be. Anyone know how much gram of cocaine is in Israel? Yeah. $150. No way. <laughs> oh, and it's garbage. <laughs> it's about, that's, that's not amazing. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? It's like enough powder that you'd put in, like, less than a teaspoon probably of coffee is, is that, right? Would you say a tea, one of those little teaspoons of coffee is a gram? That's more than a gram. For 150 bucks. Can you imagine if coffee cost that much? This was an ingredient in Coca-Cola. Where do you think Coca-Cola got its name? Because they had cocaine in it from the coca plant. The people in Colombia chew on that stuff all day while they work the coffee beans fields. Coffee beans fields. But Western governments like the USA and all the other fools... Make it illegal so someone can sell for $150 a gram. And then with machine guns all over his house and stuff. Like, and, and then putting people in jail, losing their freedom for selling a completely natural product that God put in creation for anesthesia, for, for uh, I don't know what the Colombians get out of chewing on it, but I imagine they stay awake. It's a <laughs> imagine, imagine they don't fall asleep while they're chewing on it. But it, it, it keeps you awake. It's like caffeine in small doses. It's like caffeine in small doses. Colombian coffee. I mean, like, who made this into something worth having besides the governments making them illegal and exciting? You understand what I mean? Like, so, and, and if anyone wants to argue with me on the dr- war on drugs, I'm going to win. But feel free to speak up about it. I just, my, I love people. How is that? And the war on drugs seems to hate people because, uh, a couple hundred thousand Mexicans have died and or disappeared. They're gone just over the war on drugs. And, and 
A lot more people have died in the war on drugs than would have died had people actually learned to use their muscles properly. Meaning the muscle of saying no to things. Like, you know, that's the problem. I, so, making friends, illegal helps? I have plenty of friends that were on heroin, and uh, the only thing that saved them is that they were arrested or died. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a certain men of people are going to die on heroin with or without it being illegal and arresting them is not very helpful okay i work in drug addiction and meaning rehab and uh them getting arrested didn't cure them of a heroin addiction it could be they couldn't get heroin in jail and it could be they could <laughs> <laughs> you need that rock bottom, right? So prison is the rock bottom. I just met a guy who had heroin, and he—I guess they need water to mix it with. He said he got so bad that he used toilet water for the syringe. Whoa! I mean, these people—that's out there. You know, you got to be like really gone on that. So do you need, do, do, is, any, is anyone after hearing that need that to be illegal for you not to do it? No, no one in this room needs that to be illegal. <laughs> if you could go to those, if you could go that far, it doesn't need laws. Okay. It just doesn't need laws. And certain people are such big idiots that the laws aren't going to help them anyway. So just drop, drop personal freedoms like what you put in your body from the law list and save lives. A lot of people are, are, a lot of people are going to spend the rest of their lives without their children all over the world because of, of deaths from the war on drugs. And you know what the Mexican president said? The new Mexican president? He's, you guys hear what his platform was? No more war on drugs, just like Rabbi Yom Tov. Gee, maybe we're friends. Well, I'll tell you, he didn't consult with me. He consulted with the, what do you call a, someone who was bereaved of a child, whatever. The grieve, the, those grieving must have had enough of an impact on him that he made all drugs legal in Mexico. But, you know, but it's not going to help much if they don't make the same in, in, in the U.S. and Canada because people will still try to get them in from through there. and It'll help, but it won't help much. Anyway, thanks for nothing, you know, over, overreaching government power. Thanks for nothing. Yeah. And a, by the way, if it was forbidden, the Torah would have made it forbidden. Torah knows what's permitted. Torah knows what's forbidden. Torah would have made that forbidden. And it's enough that Torah made forbidden anything that would harm your body. I.e. heroin. Right. So it is forbidden. In, but it's because it would harm your body, not because it's some law, that arbitrary law. For sure it's forbidden, except in a case of surgery, at which point we all need heroin. You know, No, that's heroin. In surgery, they give you heroin. It's morphine. Yeah, okay, but it's... Most, it's no, it's, it's a derivative, of course. Most heroin addicts were actually prescribed it with surgeries, and that's how they got stuck into it. Mm-hmm. But there's other, things, uh, other substances... I know someone just got out of rehab from surgery. He's been in rehab. From what was prescribed to him. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be really careful. Anyone ever gets surgery, you gotta be really careful to ramp down off the medicine over the over ten days max. No matter what the surgery is, ten days max. And uh, and and the and cannabis is really good for the ramp down. 
and it's non-addictive, at least physically. And so it doesn't necessarily get rid of pain, but it it causes you your mind to go to somewhere other than the pain and makes you giggle a lot and have funny ideas. <laughs> yes? No, exactly. Um, another <laughs> substance that could do just as good, but they specifically use that because it's so addictive for population control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going conspiracy theory on me. Addiction, popular population control. <laughs> Seventy percent of heroin addicts started off getting it prescribed. Mm. That high. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, you want to say something? So, if you're president, you would make all drugs legal, and you think that would help the the problem? Well, it's no longer. There's no more drug trade. Yeah, but then we'll have people who never thought about going on drugs start to go on drugs once you have that. Slicha. Anyone thinking about going on drugs is going on drugs or not going on drugs. Teenagers that love to do it, but because of the whole There's nothing wrong with making age limits. Age limits are fine. Yeah, I'm 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 all about the eighteen year old uh, like you can't buy alcohol in Israel. You're allowed to drink it. You're allowed you're allowed to drink alcohol under eighteen in this country. You're not allowed to sell it under eighteen. They don't, they don't, you're allowed to drink. You can sit with your kid in any bar and order two beers. They hand you two beers. You hand one to your 10-year-old. <laughs> and you enjoy it. What? To drink beer with a 10-year-old? Drinking beer with a 10-year-old is a good thing, but they shouldn't, they shouldn't drink more. I don't think a 10-year-old should be drinking more than a, I don't know. Six ounces, <laughs> a little, but they should definitely be. You'll notice anyone who's a good drinker as an adult, meaning they drink alcohol responsibly, their parents drank with them when they were kids. You know, anyone who's irris, anyone who's irresponsible drinking as an adult was probably prevented from drinking alcohol till he till he was of age, whether at eighteen or twenty one. You want your kid to be a responsible drinker. You drink with your kid. Okay, you see your father drank with you. Yeah. Your father drank with you? Say, damn right. Yeah. <laughs> I drink with my mom. <laughs> my kids, my babies, they have a baby bottle and they have a bottle of beer. <laughs> and they choose. <laughs> Free choice. Free will. No, but I start my kids very young on beer. Because beer is how we know God loves us. And if my kids don't develop a taste for beer, how will they ever know that God loves them? Yeah, Vodka. Vodka. Vodka's rubbing alcohol. It, Unless you're Russian. It's yeah. legalized uh, hemp and CBD in America recently, which is pretty cool stuff. Yeah, they discovered that here. That was discovered here in Israel, actually, by a professor at Hadassah University. Yeah. I didn't hear that. Can I one time? No, he was just talking about CBDs and uh, stuff. Uh, yeah. They passed a farm bill earlier this week, so the whole United States is under Okay, guys, we're still on controlled substances. I was going to speak a bit today about addiction, so I might as well do that quickly. Um, um, so, regarding addiction, is <laughs> there are certain personalities who have who are addictive personalities. Um, they generally there's a famous saying that they have they have a god-sized hole in their heart. Now, what fills a God-sized hole? God. God. <laughs> you raise lidfish? What fills a God-sized hole in your heart? God. 
God fills a God-sized hole in your heart. Now, where'd they get their God-sized hole? You think later in life or childhood? Childhood. Their God-sized hole started as kids. And it has a lot to do with the relationship with parents. There's a certain fulfillment we get that's, that sets you up for life with your parents. More so boys with fathers and girls with mothers. Although you can cross it over a bit. But the, there's some very important stuff that happens when we're little and we're developing as individuals. Someone who has a God-sized hole in their heart but doesn't have God, so they're going to spend a lot of time filling that thing. And it doesn't fill so easily because it's a God-sized hole. And so no matter what you put in it, it doesn't quite fill it. Now, believe it or not, they're not actually trying to fill... You're probably all thinking that they fill the God-sized hole with drugs. No. They fill the God-sized hole with anything they can. I mean, they're just... They're playing a... You know, what is, the, is there's no name for the game where the kid's trying to stick pegs into the, you know, the round peg and the round hole and the square peg. And the square. They're just trying to stick anything they can in there. And depending on the pain of their upbringing, the pain they went through and the, the gaping hole of interrelationship in, inter amongst the key people in their lives as children, according to that hole, will be how much they pursue filling it. So someone who has a really big hole is going to pursue it a lot, a lot, a lot. And someone whose hole, meaning someone who was raised with more constant care, constant love, is going to fill it, need to fill that hole less, if not at all. If not at all. And there are actually situations that you get where there are people whose the love was so powerful in their home that they lack motivation for a lot of the stuff that regular Westerners are motivated for. Because Westerners are, you know, it's kind of a workaholic-type system, more or less. And, you know, the work-makes-free thing. And therefore, the kid has, the kid has a compet heavy competition with his father. Sorry, with his father's work. You know, like my upbringing, I had a lot of competition with my father's work. A lot What's of competition. What? What's your father's work? He, was, uh, he manufactured uh, sportswear, mm -hmm. specifically surfwear. And uh, he was uh, traveling all over the world. I mean, he, had ma he was manufacturing all over the planet. And that was a lot of competition. For, his work was a lot of competition for me. Why? Well, just he had to be places. And, and, you know, he had to come home... You know, late, and he was uh, really into sports, so I had to, to compete with the sports. So then you decided to have a love for surfing. Fulfilled that hole with a lot of different stuff. And my hole was probably bigger than most people's, and therefore I pushed the limits further. I was highly motivated. Mm -hmm. I, would, I partied really hard, but I would leave a party early if the waves were big. Mm -hmm. Just to get out there the next day, next day, so I'd be in top condition for... You know, because when you try to surf with three hours sleep and you went to bed drunk, it's, it's not going to be worth it. I mean, it's not going to be worth it to stay at the party. Better go home, go to sleep somewhat sober, you know, for the, uh, for the surfing in the next day. 
Anyway, but, but if one of the reasons why I've achieved a lot of the things that I achieved at very young ages, I mean, I basically had done everything I've done in my adult life by the time I was 13. And really everything. And I was already, you know, I was teaching myself how to race cars, and I was already racing by the time I was 14. And the, and the, the, so based on the hole is the filling of that hole. Now, my hole wasn't that bad. It was just, you know, adrenaline sports was my thing. Adrenaline sports. Surfing, mountain biking, racing cars. You racing cars, like toy cars at 14? No, no, street racing. I was a street. I was a street racer, not drag. Uh, I lived. At, yeah, I, I started at twelve. Yeah. And I think the biggest accident I ever had in my life was when I was fifteen. Which meant when you're fifteen, you're not licensed, so you don't get to hang around till the emergency vehicles come. You have to actually run. <laughs> that was some night. What a night that was! Oh my god. And and I've, I've and there were other people in the car too, but they ran a different direction. So I def, I definitely ran the wrong way. You know, it was quite a journey. I'm not going to tell you the whole journey how what I had to do to get home. Just imagine that 15 year old kid with sirens in the night and searchlights and running across lawns till the car drives by and then jumping over the fence and running across that lawn until the cop drives by and, you know, all the way to my house. Like it was not pretty. So I get to my house. I'm just about to go into my bed. In, sorry, into my bedroom when the phone rings at four in the morning. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> so in the old days, we had these phones with little lights for each line. So you wait till the light goes on, and then you pick up the phone. So then you understand. I want to answer when my parents answer so you don't hear a click. So I saw the light go on. I pick it up. It's my groggy mom saying, what is it? And she says, she says, um, hi, it's so-and-so. We believe your son's been in a major car accident. And, and my mother's like, what are you talking about? He's, he's in bed. It's four in the morning. And she's like, she's like, you better check. Now, I'm fully clothed. I haven't gotten in my bedroom. But here's the thing. I didn't know that my forehead had hit the front of the car. So I didn't know I was bleeding from my forehead all like, because in the whole craziness of the night, I never like went like that. And it was night and I never looked. So I'm covered in blood. So what do I do? I jump in my bed, fully clothed, shoes on, everything. And I just, (laughs) (laughs) pretending I'm asleep. That didn't go so well. (laughs) Lights come on. My parents walk in. They run in screaming, you know, know, and, and, you know, like, are you okay? You know, or, you know, just checking, happy to see him while he's in bed. And then, uh, and then they see my face covered in blood. (laughs) I still don't know. So I'm just like, I'm saying, I'm like, leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. They just pull up my blanket. (laughs) Fully clothed. Yeah, good times. <laughs> anyway, anyway, but there, there's, a, there's a God-sized hole. Now, mine was, mine was fairly large, but there are people who are really large, and that's where the drugs come in. The drugs come in, and mine wasn't this large. I didn't have this issue, but other people do. And that is that when you can't fill that hole, so then you got to numb it. You got to numb the hole. 
If you can't fill the hole, you numb the hole. Now, there are people who just numb it straight off, meaning they're not good at anything. I guess they weren't good at racing cars or stealing them. I don't know. what They, they couldn't do surfing or something. Maybe they just weren't good at distracting themselves. But, but when, you, when your God-sized hole does not get filled, which is just definitely going to be the case because only God fills a God-sized hole. So when that happens, there's pain because I can't feel it now. And so I got to numb the pain. You know, when my little kids would see junkies at intersections, you know how those guys walk, they're just kind of like, I don't know what it is about heroin that makes someone walk like that. Oh, is it they haven't eaten? Yeah. You can walk like that when you haven't eaten? Yeah. Anyway, so my kids are like, you know, they're in the back of my van, they're like, what is wrong with those people? And I say to them, well, they're taking drugs that are for after surgery. My kids are like, they had surgery? I said, no. They, well, after surgery, you get these drugs to help you with the giant cut that the doctor cut into the skin. But the, uh, th- these people, their pain is that they didn't have you know, loving parents and they didn't have a family that... They had loving parents, but things went wrong. And, and so they, that they cannot fix. And so they have, they, whereas a, a wound on skin will heal. But a wound in the heart, it just doesn't heal. And so they're numbing their pain. They're just numbing their pain. And it's interesting we're discussing this because the beginning of the class was all about Hashem. And us have, now we're talking about a God-sized hole. Meaning, uh, meaning knowing there's a God means that there's that there's um, that your life's worth something even without good parents, which is pretty amazing. Your life's worth something without good parents, and I have to tell you, I've been running my seminars, the Possible You, now for seventeen years with eight thousand graduates. At first, it was all kids from secular homes growing up. Now it's ninety-eight uh, percent uh, black hat uh, Haredi people come to the Possible You seminars. And I have noticed that as bad as things were, these kids, that, they're not kids, everyone's married who comes to the seminar, but, you know, like, maybe for every 30 men, there's three single people or something. In, in Israel, I have English-speaking seminars, which, by the way, mark your calendar, is 24th. I haven't run one here in, like, three-quarters of a year. I have an English-speaking men's seminar, February 24th. Highly, uh, highly worth being there for those five nights. Sunday to Thursday, every night. Anyway, but the, the, uh, the people who were raised with God in their lives, even with the most horrific family situations, were, were so much better off. So much better off. And very, very little addiction issues going on there. Whereas the, the other, their counterpart, their secular counterparts, had big addiction issues. With the same, the same horrific family situations the addiction issues were different because the the ones with the black hats have the god awareness they have the god relationship their, their god-sized hole has god in it and for all and for everyone who wasn't raised observant so we've got a lot of work to do to develop that depth of relationship with god so that our holes being filled by god and this is why you guys can check this out yourselves. Uh, you know, I had, a, I had a teenage girl ask for a meeting with me once. She was 14. 
and we meet, and she tells me she wants to be a rock star. This is a Hasidic girl. She wants to be a rock star, and her parents won't let her. <laughs> Can't imagine why. So, so, you know, and here I am with this situation, and you know what I did? I had a brilliant idea out of nowhere. I googled rock star life expectancy of rock stars, and. And, uh, they, and what happened was a website came. It was the perfect website. I picked the right one. A lot lined up. But when I picked the right one, you know what it was? It was the name of the rock star since the 1950s. All the way to 2018. It had a list of all the names of the rock stars. It had their birth date, their death date, and then the amount of years they lived. And almost no one made it past 40 and we were scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It's a giant list, shockingly giant, because we think of big names like Michael Jackson or mm-hmm. big names like, uh, who was that lady from England? She was like a... Amy Winehouse? No. Amy no. Whorehouse or something. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, it was a long list of people. Anyway, we, I didn't even get to talk to the girl. We finished the list. She looks at me and she says, I don't want to be a rock star. And I'm like, great. And she went on to become like this Rebison. I mean, she's like a real Rebison. And that was just perfect. This meeting ended in like 15 minutes. And she went on to be a, a Jewish, you know, star star of God and a star of David. And she's, she's amazing. This amazing Hasidic girl. And uh, anyway, by the way, she, she her voice is magical. And... Uh, and so she, she's a voiceover professional for, uh, for, and, and sings on, you know, like birthdays and stuff, you know, like when a family wants to do something special for an engagement or something, she, that's the work she does. Let me know if you need, I know who she is. So, I mean, she's just, there's no singer like her in, in Israel. I mean, she's just really incredible. If you're wondering uh, who, she is. who she is, you'll have to speak to me privately. Anyway. Um, no, I wouldn't. I would only get in touch with her, let her reveal her, her uh, identity. <laughs> anyway, I think we all we're all getting the point here. Is that is that the is that addiction is is fulfilling something that can only be fulfilled via our relationship with God, and we all have this. We're all in a way that person, and and so may we all have that state of being, that soul state, be where we generate from. Now, I started the class, we're going to end with this line. I started the class with, when we're doing generating from garbage, so you get exhausted and you get old young. I don't know if you got that. You get old young, when you have to do, 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 and you're not generating from anywhere except garbage. So you're going to get exhausted and you're going to look old young. One more thing because this is the last line for me, you're going to look old, young, but when you generate from the core of being a soul from God, and then you do, I'm not saying not to do, we all got to do, you're going to have to feed your families, you're going to be doing a lot, but when you do, generating from soul, what's the source of your doing? The answer is Hashem, because what's the source of your soul? Source of your soul is God. You and God are, are this one awareness. Your awareness and God are creating awareness around us is one thing. 
So when your source of power of your doing is coming from an infinite source, you look young old. You look young old because it's not you doing. You are this in being that's part of infinity. It's part of the infinite God. And then you now go move your bag of bones around to make a cake or make a living or whatever you do with your body. It's, you're going to use power, but the power is not your power. The power is an infinite power. And as long as you've got an infinite power source, you're, you're going to be fresh till the day you die. And that's why we say that when we say Tzadik Katam, our David HaMelech says, they will be fresh. When they'll be Sabim, they'll be grandparents, Saba. You'll be, you'll be fresh as a Safta, as a Saba. You'll be fresh because the source of all the doing was an infinite being. That's powering all you're doing via your soul, which vivifies your body. Say it quick. Shalom, everyone. That's lacha. That's lacha. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.